0: This is The Roundtable Podcast, Episode 61. Hello, literary alchemists. I'm Dave Robison. And
1: I'm Starla Hutchton.
0: And you've tuned in to The Roundtable Podcast.
1: Each week on the Roundtable Podcast, we invite writers to come on the show and pitch a story idea to us and our esteemed guest host.
0: And then then we ask it to sit down quietly, give it a cup of tea, fluff up its pillows, play some nice music, turn the hot spotlight on that sucker and interrogate it, ask it questions, justify its existence in the face of the world, and eventually transform that, that meek, timid concept into literary ghost gold starla thank you so much for coming back and and being my co-host for for this workshop episode i'm pumped and primed how about you
1: oh yeah absolutely i get to talk with our guests some
0: more yes and and and, and brainstorm brainstorming is fabulosity so uh and and Speaking of our guest host, let's do bring her back coming from uh, a fabulous 20 minutes with last week, returning to the big chair, Delilah S. Dawson. Delilah, thank you so much for coming back. And and I am so pumped to workshop a story with you. Thanks for thanks for making the time for us, ma'am thanks for having me absolutely now i I can only imagine there's a constant froth going on in your creative forebrain as far as projects ideas things you love cons anyway so so would you would you be so kind as to share with our listeners what have you got coming up in in the next weeks or months or even years that that's on the drawing board for delilah s dawson
2: Sure. Um, I just launched my YA hardcover debut, Servants of the Storm, a southern gothic horror set in Savannah, Georgia. So I'll be doing uh, some events to prop up that baby. First of all, I have Dragon Con in Atlanta, Georgia, one of the biggest comic cons in the country, um, mm. August 28th, September 1st. I've got 10 or 11 panels on that, including uh, a reading with Princess Aletheia's Traveling Sideshow, (laughs) which is several YA authors getting together to act ridiculous give out free stuff. Awesome. Um, September 27th and 28th, I'll be at the 11th Annual Young Adult Literature Conference in Naperville, Illinois with Anderson's Bookshop. Uh, And the YA Fandom Frenzy on Sunday, I believe, is free. Um, and then in October, just today, we announced a signing with two of my very favorite people in publishing, which is Kevin Hurd and Sherry Priest. Oh, awesome. Uh, Kevin oh. is coming down. It's his first time signing at Foxtail Bookshop in Woodstock, which is my my go-to indie. He'll be um, concentrating on Shattered, which is his latest Iron Druid Chronicles. But I think they'll have all his books there. And Sherry Priest is about to debut her first uh, in a new series called Maplecroft that's like Thulu and Lizzie Borden. Right. Um, And then my next big one is next April on the 14th, I have a YA pre-dystopian that I'm super excited about called Hit. It's got one of the coolest covers I've ever seen, and it's about teen assassins in a bank-owned America and is the first in at least a two book series.
0: Outstanding. God, you're everywhere doing all the things.
2: Oh, and I just sold... In the uh, in the Blood series, it's going to be called Wicked Ever After and uh, finished Criminy and Tisha's story from Wicked as they come. So that we don't have a drop date that just sold. Uh, that'll be out in 2015 as the fourth Blood
0: book. And Blood series fans across the country give a squee of delight. That's awesome. Congratulations. So oh, yes. my. Yes.
2: Criminy sex.
0: <laughs> more criminy <laughs> sex. And, and we all need a little more of that. So. Awesome. Congratulations, Delilah. That's fabulous. And I'll make sure all of that gets into the liner notes. Starla, real quick, I know you've got stuff coming up. What's what's coming up on your on your docket?
1: Oh, uh, let's see. Uh, let's see. September 19th. I'm actually, I'm sad because I don't get to go to Dragon Con this year. Just not working out What's for us. And, no. Yeah, I'm sad. So uh, no Dragon Con this year. But on September 19th, which is Talk Like a Pirate Day, I have my uh, the first book in my steampunk adventure series. It's called Master of Myth. Uh, it's Antigone's Wrath series number one. So, um, so yeah, that's exciting. Um, and then in November, um, I think November 3rd, I think is what I decided, uh, Shadows on Snow, which is a gender-flipped retelling of Snow White. Uh, clean kind of, I mean, There's not, it's not really, it's a fairy tale retelling. So um, <clears throat> so that drops November 3rd. And then in January, uh, a project that you know, Dave, um, Lex Talianus, I yeah. decided to release that one cool. January 7th. Awesome. <laughs> so, yeah, that'll, and people will be able to get a preview in a friend of mine. Uh, she is releasing her book called Rebel Soul, Sarah Ashley Jones. Uh, and it's a, about revenge and assassins, people killing each other and everything It's pretty awesome. Uh, but that's releasing in November and there will be a one chapter preview uh, coming out in that book. So you, you'll be able to, to get a gander at Lex Talionis two months before it comes out.
0: Awesome. Two months ish. Um, and these are all featuring yeah. covers by Starla, right?
1: Yes, they are my my covers. Yes.
0: Yes. <laughs> awesome. There's there's a shameless plug for Starla's fabulous, fabulous artistry with the book cover work. So, friends, if you're looking, she's a busy lady. You might have to flash some green to get her attention. But if you do, you will be you will be amply rewarded for your for you'll get a great ROI on that. See, I threw in a marketing term there because I'm savvy that way. <laughs> I will make sure uh, uh, both Starla and Delilah that all of that fabulosity gets into the liner notes, uh, so that our listeners can tune in on all of that great, great stuff. Holy crap, it's going to be a great year! Uh, but right now, I'd like to pause for just a moment for for uh, uh, another ebook. You know, Starla, if you get me that book trailer, that audio trailer, I could probably drop it into the feed once or twice and give you some promo. Uh, so you know, but definitely for an ebook or a podcast or some other awesomeness. And when we come back. I would like to workshop a story. What do you say, guys? Let's do it. do it. I am down with that as well. Friends, don't you go anywhere. We'll be right back. Do you like listening to audio science fiction? Are you a fan of writers reading their work? My name is Mike Luoma. By day, I play tunes on the radio. The rest of the time, I'm creating science fiction and comic books. And I bring my two worlds together each week with my glow-in-the-dark radio podcast, where I read you my stuff. You hear free science fiction audio adaptations every week. And I give away the audio versions after I've podcast them, too. Free science fiction audiobooks on iTunes and at Podiobooks.com. I hope you'll check out my Glow in the Dark Radio podcast or any of my free science fiction audiobooks at glowinthedarkradio.com. I'm Mike Luoma. Thanks for listening. Welcome back to the Roundtable Podcast, dear friends. And now we get down to the true mojo, the mighty awesomeness that is the Roundtable Podcast, the Story Workshop. Uh, And that does not happen unless we have a bold and courageous guest writer to stride boldly forth and put their... Darling, child of an idea, upon the table for for froth and brainstorming, uh, and dear friends, our our guest writer uh, for this episode is is a first time novelist making her debut with us this night. Uh, she's a middle school English teacher and has loved the written word from a young age, starting by stealing her sister's Nancy Drew collection. So she's a book thief as well as an aficionado of fine uh, 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 mystery tales. Uh, she quickly. found an affinity for speculative fiction, uh, starting with Gil Carson Levine, who we've had on the show, uh, Patricia Reed, who we have not and really ought, uh, uh, and she read through The Lord of the Rings in middle school. Good Lord. Uh, Her current favorites include Brandon Sanderson, Terry Pratchett, and Neil Gaiman. Uh, She wrote poetry through high school and college and daydreamed about novel ideas while working and raising a family. Finally, taking serious time to write And on the first leg of a five-year plan, she comes forward from the shadows. Humbly, she says, yeah, there's, there's, nah, this is good stuff. Seeking the wisdom of the much-honored SAGE hosts, that would be you guys. Uh, So, Carrie Bunch, thank you so much for, for stepping forward and, and presenting your story. This is going to be awesome. We so appreciate it. Oh, I
2: am. This will not hurt. (laughs)
0: <laughs> it won't hurt you, much yeah
3: well that whole talk of tying it down and torturing <laughs> it i don't i don't know about i mean you could try but <laughs>
0: uh you know it's 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 all metaphor it's all metaphor so and 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 poetry that's all it is just words
3: uh well i'm very thankful th- for the opportunity to brainstorm this with you guys
0: well let's dive into it then because I'm i'm eager to hear the pitch so um Here's how it works, Carrie. We give you five to eight minutes. Uh, you give us the title, the format. Is it a novel, a short story, a series of novels, whatever. Uh, uh, give us the theme, the hook line, introduce us to the world, the characters, and then give us the, the tent poles, the, the, the core aspect of the story itself. And then we can dive in and we'll help you with whatever you need help with. I'm going to get out of the way, Carrie. The mic is all yours.
3: All right, let's see if I can do this. <clears throat> All right. I hate my current title, just to let you know. So that's one thing to, uh, to talk about. Um, but the current title of my novel is Monster Population Control Team. And it is an urban fantasy slanting towards humor. Um, so the hook. In a modern world where monsters exist but aren't seen, a stay-at-home mom struggles to find her place in a new and dangerous job protecting civilization from its unruly neighbors. Um, The theme of the story is about finding identity in a changing world. Most of my main characters are working through personal crises and changes. For example, my protagonist is struggling to see who she is away from her family. But as the story progresses, she finds her sense of self evolving. The world. My novel is set in a modern central Florida. That's where I'm calling in from tonight. But it's different from our world because it's inhabited by cryptids and monsters that we consider fictional. The majority of human the of humanity, the human race, um they're we're clueless due to a mental trick that causes us to ignore the beasties or reimagine them um as something less threatening. So, for example, if you were at a local ranch, you saw a unicorn, you it would either appear as an unruly animal or be completely immaterial. Um, However, an oblivious culture needs protection. And so throughout the history of the world, there have been individuals and groups that keep us safe. So there's some kind of genetic code that allows them to see and comprehend the extraordinary wildlife around them. Now for characters. My protagonist Willa is a stay at home mom sending her youngest child off to school. She's really good at taking care of others and understanding what they need. She's afraid that she has no life away from her family and will be useless when they don't need her anymore. She wants to feel purpose and excitement like a teenager intent on changing the world. Um, and at the end of the story, she will have some of that excitement and purpose as she becomes a member of this special team we're going to introduce. Um, Willa's husband, James, is a nine-to-five businessman. He loves his job, and he loved his life before his wife started shaking things up. He's really good at convincing people to do what he wants, but he's afraid of change. So he wants things to be status quo, stay the same. Um, He wants his wife to take care of him, and at the end of the story, he will accept his wife's need for personal fulfillment, but he secretly hopes for a compromise that's a little more uneven than fair. Um, so then the, the team, this is our um, monster population control team. Um, Isaac is the leader of the wildlife control team with many years of experience. His biggest strength is his intuition. When he trusts his instincts, things go well, but he's plagued by a fear of inadequacy and failure. He worries that the people around him will give up on him, so he compromises his leadership too often. He wants to be more confident and to gain recognition in the field of monster control. So at the end of the story, he's going to be more in tune with his instincts and have more confidence, um, but he's still waiting on the recognition. Um, His wife, Hazel, is a longtime member of the team. She's responsible for paperwork, and she's really good at keeping things organized and running smoothly. She's afraid of being left out, so she tries to catch everything that's happening in conversation around her. She wants to have less responsibility and be able to do more of the field excursions as she's missed out on the past couple years. Um, by the end of the story, I'd like Hazel to have someone to share the paperwork and to be able to get out with the team more often. Um, Bear is my favorite character so far. I actually based this on a coworker uh, from a couple years ago. Um, he's an ex-commuted, excommunicated high school science teacher. He's really good at making people feel comfortable and inspiring them to curiosity and creativity. He's afraid of being ignored and overcompensates by being extremely loud. He wants to be taken seriously in academia, but struggles in that because of his obsession with cryptozoology, which is the reason why he lost his job in the first place. By the end of the story, I'd like to have Bear a little more willing to look foolish, and I'd really want to move him from academia to fiction. Um, But I think that that would have to go into another story. My last team members are Flynn and Brenna who are twins. I want them to be in school online so they're either high school or college age. They're extremely talented in martial arts and fighting skills, though Flynn is better than his sister. He is afraid of being rejected and feels awkward all the time. He wants to be popular and have a girlfriend like most teenage boys. Um, By the end of the story, Flynn will develop some social skills and have a little more confidence in himself. Um, Brenna is a little more aggressive than her brother and is afraid of living in her brother's shadow and always being second best. She wants to be her own person, but doesn't know how to make it happen. Um, at the end, she's more, she's spending more time away from her brother and focusing on her individual skill. Okay. So for the story, A modern mom decides to find a part-time job when her youngest child enters school and finds an interesting ad for something like an adventure squad seeking new talent. This adventure squad is actually a specialized wildlife control, a.k.a. the monster population control team. She joins them on a temporary basis as they make a routine scouting expedition, which ends with the entire species chasing them out of a local state park. Not understanding the monster's bizarre behavior, the team recoups to investigate possible causes and to train Willa as a temporary member of the team. Unfortunately, joining the team takes a toll on Willa's family life as her husband and kids are often abandoned for research assignments and training courses, which leads to tension about her priorities. While struggling to balance home and work, Willa stumbles onto a historical document of a cyclical predator invasion that is slated to occur later in the season. The squad must quickly prepare to control this deadly force or their local community will be overrun by a new monster type. Willa, having learned so much about monsters in combat, convinces her husband of her need to work and races off to fight this predator species where her unique skills as a caregiver allow them to save the entire town and the local monster populations and that's all i get
0: <laughs> not sure how it ends
3: oh well um i know how well you know they save the day but i'm not i'm not on, i don't have specifics
0: okay so. okay no that's a strong pitch that's a good pitch we got some good characters to work with we understand the world there's some basic story elements to work with There, are very cool um uh here's the deal carrie and and just before we get into this you need to understand that that for the next 45 minutes or so, you're going to be hearing all kinds of ideas coming from all kinds of directions. Some of them will be brilliant. Some of them will be utter crap. The thing that you need to understand is that every single word spoken by myself, Starla or Delilah might be and actually probably is complete bullshit. Uh, This is absolutely your story to take with wherever you go. uh, uh, and, And you just you need to embrace that concept as we move forward. Are we cool with that?
3: Absolutely. Can I call you on it? Or?
0: Absolutely. Yes. <laughs> so, yes, I, in fact, it, it's happened and I'm, and I'm OK with that. So very cool. <laughs> All right. So let's take a quick turn around the table. Uh, ask some questions of clarifications. So, uh, uh, give first impressions of, of what jumps out at you uh, just to start the ball rolling. Delilah, uh, we'll start with you. What are your first impressions of of Carrie's monster population control team?
2: Okay, I, I have. Can I ask a couple clarifying questions first? Absolutely. Okay. Um, how far in it have you written? Um, I've written a, a couple little scenes,
3: but nothing cohesive. So it really is at an outline stage right now. Okay.
2: And what is your ultimate goal for this book?
3: My ultimate goal is to have a romp, to have fun. Um, I'm a long-time fan of fantasy, so monsters and magic bring it on. This, is, um, this started as just a way for me to really – I was in a high-stress situation, so it was a way to have fun, um, and it's kind of a way to get my feet wet without feeling like, oh, my gosh, this is uber serious, and I, I, can't, I can't mess up. So um, I wanted it to be light and frothy.
2: Do you consider this um, a practice book, a book you would want to self-publish, or a book that you want to go through the whole query stage with an eventual end goal of, of traditional publishing? Um, well, at this point it's
3: practice. Um, I love the concept, and I've actually had a couple of ideas for um, sequels to make it a, a series. Uh, and. Like Dave mentioned in my intro, I do have a five-year plan. Uh, by that point, um, I- I'm giving myself five years to learn the craft and to write enough to know what I'm doing. And if by that point I haven't been offered a contract um, by a traditional publisher, I would pursue self-publishing. But I'm kind of giving myself that window to learn about submissions and queries and editing and blah, 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 blah. <laughs> so
2: the reason I asked is because I think before, um, before I would – before we talk about uh, developing the story, like uh, your end goal matters a lot. In that, if you're writing a story for yourself or for practice or for self-publishing, you have a lot more freedom to do whatever your heart desires. Versus, if you, uh, you know, want to use this for query practicing and try to get an agent and that sort of thing, you have to take uh, genre and market and what you know comp titles and all that uh, into into. Um, consideration. So, you know, like looking at the story, it's one thing to be able to say, like, this is awesome and a great realm but it's another thing to say, you know, you will wanna consider these things if you if you wanted to send this to an agent, these are the concerns that they would have with the story headed in this direction, you know? Yeah, and I've considered that with um, my protagonist. I know I, I kind
3: of feel like, okay, a stay-at-home mom is not the coolest thing to try and sell. Um, and so it, it's very flexible. If I got this through to a, a third or fourth draft and sent it in and someone said, yeah, but we need to change the main characters, I would consider it. Like, I'm already considering it because I understand, you know, that it's it, it feels awkward to me. Um, but mostly it's for fun if... If I had to rework it to make money down the road, I would be more than willing, though. So that's right now. It's that's
2: fun. The, that's where it's coming from, because um, my my first book that I sold, the first thing my agent came back with was, um, your main character is a wife and a mother, and mm-hmm. if you want to sell, she needs to be single. And that's the first thing that I had to do was kill off the husband and the baby. And it, <laughs> I, I, mean, I didn't, I didn't like murder them. It's just like suddenly, like she was, she was single, but. Um, But that's that's the first thing that leapt to mind was just um, before before we got into the idea is just like it just depends on where you want to go with it, because it seems like you have lots of great characters and an interesting idea. And um, I think like we said earlier in our in our in our, you know, our 20 minutes talk, like so much of it has to do with with your execution and Mm -hmm. and with how Mm -hmm. you take it like um, at the pitch stage, like I want to hear the humor, you know, like I, I I like the humor aspect of it. Um, mm-hmm. and so, um, it's hard when you're just like laying everything out to, to hear the humor. And that's, that's part of what I think is, is, is sparkly and fun about it. Cause I like it. I like fun too. Like stuff gets so serious and, um, I, I like the old monsters, monster hunter kids. What, <laughs> what, it, what is the, there, There's like a movie that my husband showed me about like a bunch of kids that are friends with monsters. And I was like, why don't they do this for grownups? <laughs> um, but yeah, I, and my other question was, um, you said Bear was your favorite character? Yes. Why isn't yeah. he your main character?
0: I was going to ask um, the same question.
3: I think part of it is writing the other. And also, um, I, y- you know, I start out writing a mom because that's what what I am. Um, but I also think, I feel like I've got...
0: Let me ask you this, Carrie. In those scenes that you've written, is Bear in one of them?
3: um not much i've written a lot with um i haven't written a lot at all but it it is focused around willa and um that's where a lot of the humor that i found so far is based around her here's my question
0: in those scenes where you did write bear was it easy
3: i don't remember i didn't write enough to know
0: okay uh, so I'm, I'm, I
3: should probably go on and write some about him.
0: I was I was gonna draw on Delilah's background, and, and she has said time and again that 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 Criminy Stain is one of the easiest characters to write in her canon of characters, mm-hmm. uh, and and clearly there's there's there there might be that same vibe going here, so some something to consider definitely.
3: Okay. Yeah, um, yeah, and part of the reason why um the protagonist is who she is is because of the humor that came out of the moment. Like, can you imagine um. I had a friend that I told this to and she's like, can you imagine a mom on a play date? And then like all of a sudden, you know, like these huge giant monster mosquitoes start chasing them out of the park. And so she's trying to fight the mosquitoes and wheeling her kid in the stroller. And um, so just that's where part of the fun came in was like, okay, how many of these situations can we throw a mom into and just watch her, you know, flail
1: and struggle and laugh at her? Because, that you See, know I part of being a mom is that's actually what i like about this story idea and and delilah um she's talking about yeah you know if you want to sell this but i think first off you have to write the story to begin with mm-hmm. and i actually really really like the idea of you making her a stay-at-home mom because like like she said in her example well if you wanted to sell this you know we we have to make her single and i don't understand why that is and it kind of bothers me as a mom <laughs> because yeah. there aren't many books that aren't chick lit that are, you know,
0: about moms. Well, and Del- Delilah was saying that her, her agent said this, right? Delilah? Well, yeah. Yeah.
2: But I, I think um, what I eventually came to terms with was that people that were in the situation I was in where I had um, a two and a half year old and a nine month old and was running on three hours of sleep is that, my God, all I wanted was an escape. I didn't want to think about diapers and guilt and the dishwasher exploding. And her point was that um, we want an escape from the life that mm-hmm. we're leading. Mm-hmm. So although I was writing the story that expressed where I was at the time, I wouldn't have wanted to pick that book up. So I would have picked it up and gone like, oh my God, you're making me feel guilty for not being at a play date and I'm reading instead.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, no, we well, no, we Well, No, I could. totally
1: understand that well, explanation. I get that because I, I that's what I read too. Um, but I don't know that it's because I wouldn't pick up the book. It's because I don't see these things.
0: Well, and the other angle that you can take with this is, you know, Delilah's point is well taken, but you could also take it from the standpoint of, uh, here's a person who is just like me, uh, uh, going through the same things I'm going. And all of a sudden this adventure explodes in her backyard and and oh my god even in this life that i'm living i, I there there can be this this excitement and this discovery and and bring it back to the human level there's a lot of different ways we can take it and and i hope we can explore all of them as we move forward in the workshop
1: well to to that end rather than have the husband be this kind of 1950s you know 9 to 5 you stay at home and cook the meals why not make them from the beginning like this is part of what what her family has always been involved in like a family business type of thing. So that's,
2: you would have to be careful there with uh, Shannon McGreyer's encrypted novels. That's almost that—that's her hook. Yeah. Like if you look at those novels, that's what it is: it's a family that has always hunted cryptids. Hmm.
0: Okay. Well, that, so, and, but
2: that, that which doesn't mean you can't do it. It just means that your due diligence as a writer would be to read that and make sure mm-hmm. that right, you were right, right. a twist on it.
0: Definitely. Definitely. Well, like, like as point. she
1: was talking about, you know, the, that uh, you know these people have talents or whatever that they can see these things. I was instantly reminded of Karen Marie Moning's uh, Fever series, mm-hmm. um, and the She Seers. <laughs> <There you go. laughs> so, uh, what if instead it's some kind of device that makes her able to, to uh, of course, then that's, I'm um, trying to remember what that is. There's a little, uh, it's, it's not a gear, it's a little nut or something like that, that the kids look through and then they yeah, can. It's see, the whole, yeah, it's a stone with yeah. a hole. In the yeah. spider, like, yeah. yeah, yeah.
0: Yeah. That, that, and, uh, we're, 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 everything's been done in some way or another. <laughs> and it, and it's perfectly valid to raise those those flags of this is resonates to this or that resonates to that and be aware of those. Um mm-hmm. Starla, did you have any other first impressions or questions that you wanted to ask Carrie?
1: Um, well, I was actually wondering what the larger consequences were. Um, what happens if they fail in the in um, the larger story arc, rather than you know these characters' conflicts. Um, and you're talking about this, this um, monster invasion and, and taking over from these other monsters. Um, I'm just wondering, what are the consequences if that happens, if the protagonists don't yeah. don't win?
3: Um, and that's one of the things that I have noted that I wanted to work on was the antagonists, this, the the monsters, um, and I, I thought about that, and I think it's going to be pretty catastrophic because. Um, it's, it's a new predator, which means most of the monster species that are already here are going to be in danger. And it's very likely that the humans are as well. Um, so it they would be killing and eating everything in sight, everything that moves. So that's kind of how I had pictured it happening. Global
0: destruction. That's Like a, on, like that's a, a on
3: locust-type
1: it. plague. All right. Yes.
3: Yeah. Yeah. Um, so that um what I the couple of ideas that I had one would be like a um a cicada like invasion so they they burrow and hibernate for decades and I'm um, looking at the state's history about 100 years would be good because that means there's only been one since the state has been populated and even then it's pretty sparse um so there wouldn't be a lot of records and it it would just like pop up out of nowhere and the other one was to have um, a migration from the Gulf of Mexico to the Atlantic Ocean. So both of those would have a, um, a large element of time between cycles, ooh, ooh, and it could be very catastrophic.
0: Ooh, two, no, no, two, two beings, two, two, ha- have there be two of them, and they're moving towards each other, and, and, and uh, uh, Florida is their mating ground. Uh, so they're causing mass destruction as they move one's coming from Europe, one's coming from Argentina and they're they're wrecking havoc and destruction across the way and and they're they're, they're converging on Florida Florida's gonna be toast once these two things get together. Mm. A thought a thought
3: I will file that away. I will, I will file <laughs> that away to think about.
0: Possibility. Um, I, I did have a question about how do people come to be able to see these creatures? Do you have Do you have some some transformative event or some genetic quirk, or how, how can they see them?
3: Um, it's a genetic quirk. Uh, it's about one in five hundred are born with it. And I think most of the time it's that kid that like saw like mommy, mommy, I just saw a unicorn. But with enough conditioning, the parent says it's not really there. It's not really there. They kind of just fade from your mind so you really don't notice them until you're forced into a situation where you have to confront the existence of these things so um
0: seeing that right there calls up a uh, uh, themes of, of creativity and, and and intuition and believing in yourself right. and, and fostering that that's awesome that's very cool and that also makes sense if this if these creatures I mean this is the reason why these beings exist this is why the genetic code has has these people in there it's okay. for this creature so that they can be so that they can be prepared and defend the planet not not they weren't tweaked as defenders it's a natural biological thing although it would be interesting if we were genetically engineered to recognize these creatures but but the whole idea is that these these beings that can see these things are our defense force against this particular event that's happening in your book Okay, let's 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 begin to massage this a little bit. I just want to see where we go with this. So, Delilah, uh, what what can we do uh, uh, to to tighten uh, the 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 drama of the story, the characters? What what do you see uh, uh, being points of focus for Carrie as she moves forward?
2: Um, I I think that. Uh in stories where um, the the antagonist is, is nature or monsters, you need uh, more focus than just kind of random random monster attacks or random nature attacks. because mm-hmm. um, I mean you know, like yeah, the cicada invasion is scary, but um, it, it's not a, a story. So I think what my agent says to me at points like this is it get twistier. Um, you have the, the seed of the idea, but you don't yet have the the meat of the plot. Um, you know, you, you gotta figure out what the climax is and, and uh, you know, what that, because it's usually in this kind of book a fight, but, like, what are what are they fighting? Because, like, fighting a swarm is not a climax in general. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, I hate I hate telling anybody whatever I think they should do with their books because, like, I always say, like, it's all in the execution, and you can make any idea work, but <laughs> I would be most interested in a story like this if, um, if the main character you know if she, if she wasn't married but maybe if she like you want her to be a nurturer you know what if she worked as a, a nanny or um you know a babysitter and it, as she took on this job to make extra money
0: or a tutor or
2: but you know a, a caring in uh, the capacity where you care like maybe she fosters puppies or maybe she's a dog walker but there's kind of like these interesting uh things that would show caring, but you know, maybe give her free to get with bear. Like I, I love romance. I very, very rarely read a story that doesn't contain some kind of romance because I really need that as part of a story. Mm -hmm. But, um, Mm -hmm. I would just, uh, you know, as you, as you feeling out a story to me, it almost feels like when you're trying to work out a splinter and you're kind of pressing here and pulling here and trying to figure out how to slide it out. Um, but I would just see how much of having a family is is where you are in life and wanting to express that and how much that helps the story move forward throughout an entire series with uh, tension and character arcs that are going to be satisfying to a reader of of urban fantasy as a genre
3: yeah i i I hear that cool um it's definitely something to to consider um especially can you know when I started thinking about the story versus where it is now, that is absolutely negotiable and something that I can adjust. so
0: well i'm I'm wondering, could carry this 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 conception of this this monster squad. I mean, it, it conjures images of this of this global organization uh, uh, that that's that's widely financed and and has the <laughs> gear and all of this stuff. and I'm let me let me let me just toss this out. Here's a what if for you. What if this team? isn't with them what 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 if, what, mm. what what if they're the neighborhood watch <laughs> <laughs> and and then, and then you can totally get into the whole uh, home association. You can have the home association Nazi, the tree Nazi, who goes around <laughs> doing all of this, and she's poking her nose into everybody's oh business. God. And then you've got this neighborhood watch guys, but they're all seeing this weird shit. Maybe maybe one of maybe maybe Isaac. And this could be a reveal later on. Maybe Isaac is is was drummed out of the the monster pot- population control mm-hmm. team, uh, uh, and and gathered these people together and is keeping the secret. Secret, but he's secretly training them, and so you've got this very localized neighborhood watch that keeps an eye out for you know mugwumps and 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 flatulent uh, 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 moon moths and all the weird stuff that they're seeing.
3: I will definitely have to keep that in mind. My um, initial concept was that it would be like a branch of the wildlife control, so that it's. Um, State organized, but yeah, it is completely a local team. So this is our um, our county or our city team. I even thought about in a, a a second book if it ever happens that it could be something like you know we've got Disney World down here, so yeah. obviously they would have a crew on staff. Yeah.
0: Oh, that'd be a blast. Now, yeah. yeah.
3: And okay. what if they go missing in one of the old closed parks? Well, they're going to, you know, well, they're going to shop around for somebody to come help. Let me,
0: let me. So. One of the merits of having them being rogue is that the monster population control team can come in and say, no, no, no. Uh, they, they discover what they're doing and they try and push them out of the way and they're going to take care of this big thing. But our, our plucky team of adventurers are the only ones because of Willa uh, and maybe because of Willa and bear. If you want to generate that, that, that romantic tension between them, uh, uh, they are the ones that actually have the secret and the team doesn't, doesn't identify them. So they have to either a, a, step back and accept the fact that they suck and and have to let the, the real people do things or seize up the reins of destiny and claim your place among the world, blah, blah, blah. I
2: like
0: it. A I'll thought. have to
2: let it... I mean, I got to let it stew, right? Yeah, like, absolutely, absolutely. Are there going to be any uh, benevolent monsters? Like, are they going to have, like, a, a pet on the team or, like, a... You know, a, a chupacabra that can, that can track mothmen? Or like, are there going to be any good what monsters? If, what or are, if are a they mem- all
0: bad? What if a member of the team is a monster?
3: Now, see, I've considered something like that because, you know, when you talk about monsters, well, that runs the whole gamut from, you know, vampires and werewolves down to, you know, the kobolds that live in houses. like. And so my thought was anything that can pass as human is probably in the population. But if it's not humanoid... And it looks like an animal; it'll be interpreted as an animal. But anything beyond those ideas that are acceptable to our minds, we probably just write off as invisible. See, Delilah. Um,
0: Delilah, I so like totally that. So, totally could have
3: a pet. Could I re- totally have a pet and have a monster on the team.
0: I really like that idea of of cultivating the the, the good the good beneficial monsters as well as the ones that need to be in control, uh, uh, because. you you can have allies then you can have monster races that are, that are coexisting and, and maybe the, the, and again, I'm, I'm riffing on the whole rogue team thing, but maybe the monster population control team considers all of them to be containment. They must be contained, not dealt with or interacted with. And you can have Willa and our team, actually start reaching out in fact you know there's probably a few neighbors that are like delilah says chupacabras or whatever uh, uh that are that are uh, you know actually decent people and isaac and everybody is is working together in fact isaac is probably dealing with his conditional training to to try and marginalize them but everybody else is just so damn friendly and nurturing so <laughs> starla what do you got we're, we're kind of monopolizing the, the riff here <laughs> well, jump I'm in just,
1: i'm just listening here but um now, uh, well, with with Bear being the science teacher, um, what if, here's, <laughs> so what if somebody on the team, I just, I went to Bear because, you know, the science, what if one of them is dabbling in uh, genetics, like doing some, you know, weird Ooh, crossbreeding thing to yeah. try to breed out um, the more destructive tendencies or, um, you know, to, to create a, a, a more docile Species, Or even to find out what the, the weaknesses of these things are so that he can er- eradicate the ones that are, you know, dangerous, um, you know, find out what toxins they're like, you know, if maybe one of them, you know, they, they melt like slugs when you pour salt on them. I, I <laughs> <laughs>
0: um, or generating uh, uh, like a mist that temporarily bestows the ability to see the creatures on more on regular humans that temporarily activates that gene for people.
1: Yeah. Or even potentially creating, you know, defensive weapons against these things by by utilizing what other monsters have, like some kind of, you know, venomous spit that one of them has. They can they can take it and aerosolize it and and make a knockout gas or something. Um, But I I like the idea of there maybe being a science lab for the science teacher um, and that he actually is getting to do like some hands on research. That's a great
0: point. I love that. Does that resonate for you, Carrie?
3: Holy cow. <laughs> um, I, I like having these ideas come in um, because I really, depending on how the characters work out, of course, I really could see this turning into more of a series where we, you know, this would just be the introductory to introduce the team and talk about the world. Um, but then we could do one that's all about how the global corporation is, um, trying to do one of these things but it goes haywire so yeah you know we you know they, they could call in the local amateurs to say no you just need to help us clean out our labs or something yeah. um, because then I could I could play with all of these ideas um in their own story
0: I'm getting a real strong uh shambling guide to New York City yeah I was go- actually thinking of that <laughs> too, <laughs> ghost yeah. train to New Orleans <laughs> from Merlafferty yeah. Lafferty. Uh, what
1: what if um what if when when Whose point of view is this um story right now told from? Like is it all uh, Willa or is it like a third person first person?
3: Yeah, it it would be third person and I think I'd keep it limited close to Willa um but I I, ha- I haven't written enough to say that that's for sure. That's the plan at this moment.
1: Well, cuz my thought with that is what if um instead of changing Willa and, you know, not making her this family person, you know, you can have her be the opening chapter and how she joins this team. But what if all of the the each chapter was told from a different character's point of view? So you kind of get everybody's origin story. If this is you know the introduction introduction to the entire team, um, and then you can see what everybody brings through the table and how they're feeling like through their eyes, rather than having Willa try to work all this out on her own. It was just a thought. <laughs> no, yeah.
3: yeah, even as an exercise in getting to know the characters, it'd be worth it.
0: Yep. Yep. Absolutely. Absolutely. Now, Delilah, you had, as I recall, the 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 blood series itself was written first person, but the novelettes were written in third person. Is that correct? That's true. So what can can you share with Carrie what what the benefits and and dangers are, are between a third person and a first person POV?
2: I don't even think about that. You just start writing and whatever you're writing is what it becomes. Okay. Can, <laughs> all right. Yeah, so, I've, I've done mean?
1: both POVs too and it's really dependent on the story. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I think no matter what you plan
2: on or what you tell yourself you're going to write, as soon as you really get into flow and tap into the story, you are naturally going to go into whatever point of view it's from. If, it, if it's your first book and you've never finished a book, I would caution against doing multiple points of view because it... Uh, Dissolves your focus into too many people's feelings and memories and backstories, and then you're not focusing on plot. You are just a uh, kind of playing house in your head and telling yourself nice stories about people. Um, right. I definitely, for your first book, if you if you if you have this character in your head, um, in order to get through the plot and and get to the end and have the experience under your belt, I would stick with one point of view and try to write it straight through as fast as you could.
0: Well. Right. If- and looking at the plot now that you now that you invoked that you know i'm looking at the 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 classic arc of of self discovery there is the 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 frustration you are you're you're you feel trapped you you're looking at at the the same old world you want some change change appears uh, uh, there's uh, 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 you, you, there's excitement and oh my god and then there's the realities of husband and children and career or whatever those those societal pressures are and then there's some Transformative moment, and and this is this is the real crux. And I think maybe what Dalila was, was getting at, as far as what this story is, is there's that point where tensions have reached that highest level, mm-hmm. where you have to make a choice, and and what do you want to have happen there, Carrie? Do you? I mean, everybody at the end, everybody gets along and everything's fine, is nice, but it's <laughs> it's kind of flat, really. I mean, it, it, it. Even, even in the context, when Carrie and I spoke uh, earlier this week, uh, uh, we, we had talked about uh, enjoying the the Neil Gaiman and Terry Pratchett like worlds, uh, uh, and and how even at their most rompious and weirdness, there's always that very core that that ringing truth that that cuts through. And I'm wondering if this might be that ringing truth for you, Carrie. What do you want to have happen when? her husband or her children or whatever the force ends up being that is defining her world in the, mon- in the mundane experience comes forward and says, knock it off. You have to make a choice. What do you want to have happen?
3: I'd kind of like to see her um, develop that backbone and really just stand strong and say, you know, you, you can't put me in a box. You know, that um, I think anyone who has kids has had that moment where you're like, I'm not a person anymore. (laughs) Um, and so I think in in that moment where, you know, the team has pulled up in their van, they're honking the horn. She's like, I've got to go, you know, like these things are coming and her husband's like, well, who's cooking dinner. And she's like, you know, like, well, I guess you got to learn how to work the stove. Finally, you know, like,
0: yeah, I, I would, I would urge you to stay away from the, you got to cook dinner woman. Type stereotype on the on the husband make him a good person too so so yeah. that you have division in your in your readership of of what uh, of who they're rooting for because everybody's got to be right you know and and that's you know that's that's the that's the height of the tension so there's going to be a divorce so she comes back from the mission and and he's gone he's taking the kids <laughs> now what. Um-
2: no, it's so I, I, not a monster book anymore. Then it is an issues book, and you have um, to whatever promises you make your reader in the blurb and the opening pair, uh, opening pages. Like at the end, if they start it for like this is a fun, lighthearted monster romp, and at the end she's been left by her husband, and her children have been taken away, that's not a monster romp.
3: No, yeah, and I, I don't want to push it that far. I I guess it would be. I didn't mean it to sound so stereotypical. Shame on me. Um <laughs> I do want there to be more of a conversation where she... But I want her to honestly call him out on his expectations. Because I feel like, you know, where her husband has kind of just been happy with the way things are, she hasn't been. Um, And so now that she's finally found this thing, yeah, it's pushing him a little bit out of his comfort zone. But it's doing so much more for her um, that it's kind of like he needs to see this as something that's good good for her I guess
2: what if she had a fiance and was pointed in one direction and then she changed direction later the, the complication of children makes that kind of tension with the husband more like it's it's a big focus you know like it's it's a lot to lose and I think as a reader I would always be I would also be thinking like lady if you've got a kid at home you don't get to go fight monsters like you have a responsibility to that kid
3: yeah yeah uh, I agree and that was um that that's something that I've thought about I don't want her you know she's not going to be a deadbeat and just leave her family um but yeah the idea of a fiance that way there is that commitment but it's not you know someone is depending on you for their livelihood
0: well uh, and, and just just to argue for the the possibility of kids there, there could be a nanny or a live-in sister maybe their sister lives with them and and takes care of the kids and helps out while she's getting ready to go to college or whatever I mean there's there there's, there's ways to, to to edge around that abandonment of the children but, but I I see what you're saying Delilah and and
1: Well I I liked her idea of you know have it, having the humorous bits you know with you know what happens when you know you, these things Come around, and you have your kids and racing out of the park and all that with the stroller. Um, What if instead of her being the wife, what if she's the nanny and she has the fiance, but she's taking care of someone else's kids? Then you can you still have the possibility for those those humorous moments, you know, where where the kid you know sees something and and maybe that's how she gets you know,
0: without the abandonment issues.
1: Well, yeah, and, and maybe then that's what kind of makes her wonder that maybe there is something more and then she goes seeking out this other group and that's what she does with her
0: nights. And then the stakes yeah. are career and monetary rather than necessarily emotional and, and right. you're a horrible person. Uh, you're just you're irresponsible because you're shirking you. I, I can't come and watch the kids today. I'm sorry. uh, uh is 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 better than I'm sorry kids you have to make your own lunch yes you're four years old go for it I'll be back <laughs> that's different okay uh guys the, the clock is ticking down and and I want to take at least one last turn turnaround that, actually before we do that Carrie was there anything that you really were hoping that we would address in in this workshop experience um
3: any the the title is really killing me I um, don't I, worry about that
0: Okay. Words. Seriously, well, yeah, the, that's, that's yeah, the yeah. last. Yeah. Writing
1: thing. the book, you're going to that's going to kind of come a little bit. All right. If it's bugging it you, scratch it off. Yeah. Do,
0: do not ever refer to it as the monster population control team again and oh, just call it the book and and once you write it, the the the, the title will become clear.
2: That is not true at all. <laughs> that is a lie (laughs) no it's I I have never had a book maintain the same title from the first draft to the last draft the last draft to my agent or the agent to the editor ever
0: Okay, but what I'm saying is that wow. at the end of the book, she'll probably have a clearer sense of what she'd like the at least that title to be at that point that That's she'll true. feel good about, and then she can feel terrible when her editor says, change it, but at least she'll have a title that she can get behind. Is that a fair assessment?
1: I think yeah. she should call it Monster Pop. I like that.
0: <laughs> I do too. That's awesome.
1: Or just call it MPC number one, well, something like
0: yeah. that. There you go. All right, so let's take one last turn around the table real quick. Uh, uh, and just give Carrie some last uh, uh, parting advice, fill her pockets with literary gold, and we can and, and send her off to write this awesome tale. Delilah, start us off, last one words of wisdom for Carrie.
2: Dude, you can do this and it's gonna be awesome, but you have to give yourself permission to write a sucky first draft and just barrel through that baby. Do not worry if you started in the right place, don't worry if you're telling too much backstory, just dive into it
0: and go. Good advice. Fix it later. <laughs> Fix it in post. That's that's mm-hmm. the there you go. Starla, what about you?
1: Well, my advice is kind of similar to that. Just write what the story is calling to you, uh, but just get it out. And don't don't worry about, you know, what you're going to do when it's done. You know, don't don't worry about if it's going to be a series. Just write the book and worry about the rest of it later, um, because the, the the discovering of the characters in the story and the plot, all, all of that is the, the fun journey part. So you need to make sure that you take time and enjoy that um, and not worry quite so much about everything that comes after when you're writing your first draft.
0: Yep. Yep. Absolutely. Freedom. Give yourself that freedom. Uh, for myself, uh, uh, I, I tweaked on the same thing that Delilah did. That if Bear is your favorite character, uh, uh, then then maybe Willa needs to be Bear. Maybe Bear needs to become a woman if you're if you're not comfortable writing the other, uh, uh, and and look at it from that perspective. And and uh, maybe maybe the story can be told from inside this organization because there 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 are layers of discovery to be explored in there, uh, and and also. Uh, I'll, I'll reiterate some advice that I, I gave earlier: um, the idea of, of writing some flash fiction, some short mm-hmm. stuff uh, for each of these characters. You know, describe them. Uh, uh, what happens when they go into the grocery store and they see uh, uh, an oozing, uh, uh, multi-tentacled pseudopod uh, uh, affixed to the, the frozen uh, juice aisle? Uh, uh, what do they do? Bam! And and don't worry about structure necessarily. Don't worry about anything. Just just start immersing yourself in these characters and in this world and, and tease out those details with, with shorter, much, much, much shorter uh, writerly exercises. And then as those details start crystallizing, I think the, the direction and focus will become very clear. So... Awesome. Now Carrie, here's the deal. Uh, uh, we offer this to all of our our writers here at the Round Table. You go out, you write this story. Please write this story. And <laughs> and it, get it out there. Get you and then tell us
2: when you do so we can cheer you on.
0: Absolutely, it's a
2: major celebration.
0: Totally, there will be champagne and cannons. And and when you do, when you get it out there in the world, whether whether you just put it up in PDF on your website, but as soon as it's out there, changing the world, let us know because we will have you back and we will knight you. We will hold a knighting ceremony and make you a knight of the Round Table podcast.
3: Sounds good to me.
0: (laughs) I think so too. I think so too. So awesome. Delilah thank you so much for for participating in this frothing bit of brainstorming awesomeness uh, uh, there, there's there were some great ideas bouncing around conceptually and and on on the boots on the ground level and and I really appreciate your participation it's been a blast
2: thanks for having me
0: absolutely and and to my charming co-host starla Hutchton uh, <laughs> uh, god I always as always I wish you every Fabulous thing! Uh, uh, you keep making awesomeness, and I, I, I wish you the best as you continue to do so. Thank you for for your part in this. This this is great fun.
1: Well, thank you for the invitation. It was fun to do.
0: Absolutely, absolutely. The co-pilot's chair is here when you want it, ma'am. <laughs> so and as long as we're doling out gratitude dear friends, thank you for tuning in uh, uh, without you we're just shouting into the darkness and and frothing to no purpose whatsoever. I hope you found as much literary gold as we all did in this discussion uh, and if you're feeling generous, you know you can always pay it forward a little bit with a a, a nod out on iTunes. Those reviews really do make a difference. We have a forum now, so if you have ideas for Carrie, you can go out to the roundtable forum. Uh, we'll have a, a, a special thread just for this episode. We can continue the froth out there and and let the brainstorms continue. Uh, uh, and if you're interested in being a guest writer, if you if you've got those cajones, uh, come to theroundtablepodcast.com dot and click the link that says. Be a guest. And you can fill out that form, you'll get on the roster. You can have awesome people like Delilah S. Dawson and Starla Hutchton and myself come and workshop your tale. So Ooh. I know, yeah, that's fabulosity in its, <laughs> in, in, in its finest form. Now, as, as awesome as this has been, as, as exhausted as we all are, the wonderful thing about the roundtable is in just seven days, it starts all over again. More fabulous guest hosts, more courageous guest writers bringing incredible ideas to the table to, to strike sparks and ignite inspiration wherever we go. So that's a week away. Until then, you know, Starla, for a week, what can they do, do you think? Uh, Read lots of books. Yes, absolutely. Expand your canon of awareness. Read outside your genre. But read, read, read. And of course, as Brian would say, go write. And I will tell you, as always, friends, you find what you're looking for. So look for the top shelf blue label uh, uh, stuff with the worm in it. That's the really good stuff. And I guarantee you, when you look for something like that, you will find it. We will see you in seven days. Until then, you guys stay cool, be frosty, be awesome. And we will talk to you soon. Bye-bye. This episode is copyright 2014 by The Roundtable Podcast and released under a Creative Commons, attribution, non-commercial, share-alike license. That means please don't sell it, but you can share it to your heart's content. You can even use portions of it in your own productions, as long as you release those productions under the same licensing terms and reference us as the source. Theme music for the Roundtable podcast was performed by the Hepcats of BroTown, Gary Gold, David LaBroyere, Billy Nobel, and Matt O'Donnell. If you would like to be a guest writer or guest host, join in on the conversation or just learn more about us visit our website at www.roundtablepodcast.com. We're also on Facebook at facebook.com slash roundtablepodcast and on Twitter at writerspodcast. And you can always email us at thetable at roundtablepodcast.com. Thanks for listening.